0: FOREVER!
1: DOG! Just between us
2: Just between us I'm
0: a writer, mental health advocate, and quitter. I quit when I don't like stuff. <laughs> Hi, I'm Gabby Dunn. I'm a writer, bi bisexual icon, wink. And I almost literally just said, I'm Allison Raskin. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so adamant that, like, when you said your thing, and then I was going to say, Hi, I'm Allison Raskin. I almost said I'm Allison Raskin. Well, I would have put it past you. To what, identity theft you? Yeah, why not? You've already been identity thefted once. I would I not put you through that again. <laughs> that was a harrowing thing that happened the first time.
2: Yeah, they, they accused me of, of stealing a Lincoln Navigator. That's too big of a car for me. I can't drive yeah. that. If you were going <laughs> to steal a car, what car would you steal? I would steal... I have just so little interest in cars. <laughs> like, I would steal something else. Like, what? If you could, if you could do a heist, what would you steal? Uh-huh. I would steal all of Bloomingdale's. Okay. That seems hard to walk out with. <laughs> I just want clothes. Like, the only thing I covet is clothes and yeah. I guess like delicate gold necklaces.
0: I'm interested in a clothing heist. Yeah. Like, you just go into Barney's, you steal some stuff. That's just come. shoplifting. It is just shoplifting. <laughs> <laughs> so, let me ask you a question. How come if I steal like if I steal jewels, I've done a heist. But if I steal clothes, I'm just a shoplifter. To me, a heist implies that it's during a time
2: where you're like a heist implies that you're not just simply pretending to be a customer who puts stuff in their bag and then leaves. Like okay. maybe you steal it at night. Maybe you okay. sneak in through the back and then okay. shoplifting is anything where you're just there and you just like casually put something on your person and then walk out.
0: Okay. But if you stole the Hope diamond, they would say that's a heist. But if I went in and I took it and I put it in my pocket and walked out, I feel like the amount of money a thing is worth also puts it in a heist. Here's my question When is it a murder and when is it an assassination? So glad you asked. (laughs) Okay. I think an assassination is when it's like a notable person. Do you think it has to have a political bent to it? No, because Gianni Versace was assassinated and he was just a famous fashion designer. I would argue that's a murder. But the Ryan Murphy show is called The Assassination of Gianni Versace. I don't know. Anyway, this is just between us. A variety show filled with heartfelt advice, ridiculous games, and brutal honesty. This is a good thing to talk about is what crimes are labeled and why. Why? hmm. I don't like the w- system we have. And I'm going to go out on a limb and say that. Well, I don't. Th- yeah, of course. Our system is terrible across the board. Oh, OK. Well, I don't like it because I, you're right. It's confusing. Assassination. It's also so upsetting because let's say someone killed me and then I just like kind of be hanging out being like, are they going to call it an assassination? Am I famous enough for them to call it an assassination? They probably just called a murder.
2: OK, well, Melissa just came in and said, Assassination is the murder of a prominent person or political figure by a surprise attack, usually for payment or political reasons. Surprise attack? Yeah, you got it. You can't see it coming.
0: When is a murder not a surprise to the person being murdered? All the time, people,
2: if you listen to True Crime podcasts, they'll be like, yeah, they kept saying that their wife was going to kill them and then they
0: did. Oh, yeah. That's actually really sad. I know. We don't listen to people enough about that kind of thing, to be honest. We really should be paying more. By we, I mean the police should really be paying more attention to that. And then
2: murder, the unlawful killing of one human by another, especially with premeditated malice. I think there's a political bend to assassination.
0: Premeditated malice is my roller derby name. No, it's not. Premeditated Alice. (laughs) That's kind of fun, but your name's not Alice. No, no, you pick a fake name for roller derby. If you listen to this show and you do roller derby, write in and tell us your name. They're always so cool. They're always so fun. (laughs) All right. Well, now now you have to start doing roller derby. God, I would love to. When the pandemic's over, I'll do it. Anyway, (laughs) we have a great show for you today. We're gonna be talking all about vaccines and why they've become so divisive. And Allison sent a really great article that we will be discussing.
2: And when we return from break, we're going to be answering a listener's question. So Ooh. stick around. Just between us. We're back. You know what that means. Hit it. International question. International question. International question. Nat
0: Unknown. Unknown sounds so mysterious. Well, I put unknown when they don't tell me. (laughs) It's very, it's like very mysterious. Yeah, it keeps
2: people wanting more. Keeps people tuning in. Okay. (laughs) So I love this question. The TLDR. Am I self-sabotaging or are my worries valid? Mm. The question of all questions. Dear Allison and Gabby. I'm a longtime viewer of your content since 2015 and would like your advice as folks who have been in a relationship while managing your mental health. I deal with anxiety and worries of emotional abandonment from my friends and partner quite often. As a result, I have the tendency to self-sabotage in order to protect myself from getting hurt. This often comes in the form of negative thoughts about my friends or my partner. However, I've been doing a lot of work on myself the past few years and I'm much better at managing my anxiety. My head feels much clearer from even a year ago. That's so exciting. I love hearing that. (laughs) Now, the issue. I've been dating my current boyfriend for a year now. We met right before the pandemic hit and have since entered into a long-term relationship. When we met, my partner didn't have a job, was living at home, still is, and didn't have much direction. Though we had good chemistry and all went well on our first date, I initially said no to dating due to the facts above. However, we kept talking and met up as friends the following week, and I recognized some traits in him that screamed boyfriend material. (laughs) For example, he genuinely just wanted to be my friend. I felt no pressure or expectations from him when we met up as friends. He told me about other dates he'd gone on recently, and I felt genuinely comfortable in his presence. He remembered everything I told him about myself on our first date, stuff I didn't write over messages. He was present and engaged during our conversation, and we share the same sense of humor, too. That's very, very important. Very important. Safe to say we decided to start dating. However, I was upfront with him from the beginning. I told him, I like you a lot and want to give us a shot. However, you need to get a job before I can take us seriously. And he did. Within six months of meeting during a raging pandemic, he became part-time and then full-time employed in an entry-level position at a major company. This is like a soap opera. I'm very invested in this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Keep going.
0: It's going to go (laughs) poorly
2: at some point. (laughs) Now it's been six months since he landed this job and not much has happened since. He's been applying for jobs for the state off and on and hasn't been super committed to it. Also, he doesn't have much direction still when it comes to a career. I'll suggest graphic design or streaming since he has skills in Photoshop and likes video games and he'll entertain the thought without doing much research or work into either. mm He said he wants a job to make lots of money. That's it. But has no game plan for how to get there. He also doesn't really understand how much rent and expenses will affect his finances once he moves out, since he's never moved away from home before. Again, he's 28.
0: It's okay to live at home when you're 28, but you do need to understand that rent and expenses exist. (laughs)
2: Yes, I would agree. (laughs) I'm a college-educated 24-year-old who moved out at 18 years old and hasn't moved back since. I've been financially independent since 20 years old and have a very do-it-yourself mentality. I know how hard it is to make it on your own, so I get why many live at home. However, it's starting to affect my attraction towards my boyfriend. Mm. I don't know if this is me self-sabotaging or a legitimate concern I need to address with him. On the one hand, he's working on himself and applying for jobs every so often, but not with a real career in mind. Just data entry is what he told me. Otherwise, he's incredibly emotionally mature and a great communicator. Because he's securely attached, he's been a great help with my healing journey and big supporter of my mental health. We've been able to talk through my anxieties without him getting offended or making it about himself. This is the first healthy relationship I've ever been in. and Honestly, it's great. And I have a great time with him. But then I have these nagging thoughts about his career or how he doesn't dress nicer when he sees me once a week like I dress up. Or he acts super childlike a lot of the time, and though I do sometimes too, I also want a partner who can dress handsomely sometimes and make me feel special, not like an excited child I'm watching over. For example, Mm. he talks a lot about wanting to go to Disneyland, and we joke about me putting the backpack leash on him so I don't lose him at the park. Okay. (laughs) Interesting. Kinky! Yeah, fun visual. (laughs) I just want to feel like an adult woman with an adult man sometimes. Am I self-sabotaging by thinking these things? Should I be more grateful for him since he meets my needs when it comes to understanding and supporting my anxiety? We've talked about putting more effort and not getting too comfortable before, but now I'm wondering if it's more than that. Any advice would be appreciated. It's hard to know when to trust myself or when it's my anxiety talking.
0: Thank you, Nat. Oh, boy. Um, okay, so I think you have had a lot of experience with this. Yes. So there, there's a difference between valid
2: concerns and like anxiety worries about a relationship. Okay. And so like a an anxiety worry, I would say, is maybe like is this person attractive enough? Would I be better off with my high school boyfriend who I haven't spoken to in 15 years? Uh why why don't I like the way that they look in jeans? Um, <laughs> is their voice too loud for me? You know, just sort of things <laughs> where like it's not really something the person can change and it's more like maybe You're just
0: nitpicking
2: or coming up with inventing things. Sort of. Or like, you know, then it might just be a sign of like a, a a term called like relationship OCD. And then there's valid concerns where, you know, picking your life partner is, I would argue, the most important decision that you make in your life if mm-hmm. you intend to have it be a long-term life partner, potentially someone that you have children with. So I, I think that when you have a history of mental health issues, you can often feel like, oh, well, if I can find somebody who can, quote unquote, put up with me, Mm -hmm. then that should be enough.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think like being there for you and your anxiety should kind of be a bare minimum thing. Exactly. So like, I don't think that because
2: you have these, you know, that you've had these issues that you've worked on that you're making great strides where you're only 24. And for you to have already seen all of these improvements, when your brain isn't even finished forming yet, like, (laughs) that's amazing. You should celebrate that. But, but I don't think that that you need to hold your partner to a different standard Mm -hmm. than you would if you maybe didn't suffer from anxiety. And so a big thing when you're entering into a long-term partnership is to think about, okay, so what are my values? What is truly important to me? And it sounds like for you, stability and financial stability and somebody who is driven in their career are
0: values that are really important to you. Yeah. not to everyone, but if that's important every- to you, then that like Absolutely. some people don't care. Some people are like, I don't care if we have the same sense of humor, you know?
2: Right. So some like, people don't even care if their partner has a sense of humor,
0: you know, like so, bizarre. Like, I, but it's true. Like it's my, sis- true, my true. sister has
2: said that, that she never cared about if a guy was funny or not. And, and there's going to be people out there who are like, I'm I'm comfortable making the money. I don't yeah. need my partner to be a breadwinner. I don't need so my partner to have judgment. a job. It's yeah. not a judgment. It's it's just what what matters to you. What are your values? I think it's really about sitting down with it and being like, okay, what are my deal breakers? Right. And these things are allowed to be your deal breakers. Like you mm-hmm. don't need to, because he's offering all these other things, be like, well, then I need, then I should just compromise on something as big as a person with a, a career that they're passionate about. Because yeah. let's be honest, we spend a lot of our times doing our work and and yeah. spending times in our career. And so if this is somebody who like doesn't really care about that and is going to be unhappy and bouncing from job to job, and, and that's just something that like doesn't align with you and what you want for your future, that's okay. You don't need to feel guilty about that.
0: Mm-hmm. I think I've seen a lot in my friends and in my own experience, this thing where like in partnerships, one person is kind of like stunted and the other person is a little bit more like further along like this. And and the stereotype is that it's like the man child and then the like career driven sort of together woman, although I have seen the opposite as well. Mm -hmm. And also gay. There is a lot of friction. Like it's that's not a standard relationship situation. I know in media it's portrayed as one, but like that does cause a lot of friction. Like that is where resentment gets built up. That is where like you, you start to feel, at least in my experience, you start to feel like a lot of stress about mm. taking care of the other person. Or I mean, I'm speaking as the gnat the in this situation. I feel like there's a portrayal in movies and TV of that being the natural state of a relationship and that being just like how relationships are. And like, it's not (laughs) it does not need to be like that
2: and also you know just because this relationship is your first healthy relationship doesn't mean that like you have to be like and this is as good as it's going to get yeah you know like You're only 24. Every time that you date somebody, you're gathering information. You're figuring out more about what works for you, what Mm -hmm. doesn't work for you. It it doesn't if you end up deciding that, like, this isn't the right thing for you, it doesn't mean that the relationship was a failure or that this person was a bad person or that like, you know, it just means that, like, you're making a decision about your life and who to share your life with. And that's a big decision. If you were saying to me, my friends keep being like, he doesn't have a job my mom keeps saying he doesn't have a job, then I would be like, okay, but what matters to you? Mm -hmm. But this is coming from you, (laughs) you know? Like, this doesn't feel to me like an issue of like outside perception of him or of your relationship. No. It feels like you're genuinely not attracted to somebody who just happens to be built the way that he's built.
0: And that's fine. He did get a job and like did what you asked, but there seems to be a little bit of like, again, a stuntedness where he's like not trying to learn about finances for when he moves out of his parents' house. He doesn't really have a plan. And some people, that is great and that's compatible and they're fine with that. It seems like it's causing you to try to get into fix-it mode, right? So you're suggesting things to him. You're like, what if you did this? What if you do that? There's some relationships where one person is very driven, one person isn't, and the driven person is like, that's a you problem. Our relationship is separate from that. Mm-hmm. I'm doing my own thing. Right. But For Nat, it seems to activate this thing of, I'll I'll fix it. Like, I'll give him suggestions. I'll do this. And so that, because that's an agitator towards you as a person, like, just know that and don't feel like, you know, like what Allison's saying about choosing who you're with. If this is something that, you know, like gets under your skin, then it's just not a compatible match. And two, it doesn't necessarily have to be a compatible match in a romantic sense because it seems like when you guys met up you got along really well as friends you had like a like a good friendship going and sometimes you date people who were really just meant to be your friends or you date people who were meant to be your boyfriend for a year when you were 24 (laughs) or yeah or that's how you and that's how you become really good friends in the you know what i mean like maybe this is how you meet to become best friends later you know yeah and
2: i i just think that like there are a lot of people out there mm-hmm. and it's not like it's either being with an emotionally intelligent person or being with a career driven person. Like, there's give both. yourself the freedom to find somebody who fits both of those needs. Your biological clock isn't ticking. You don't, yeah. you know, it's not like... You have to make this decision tomorrow in terms of who you get married because a witch is going to curse your family if you don't like this, you know, like you can always separate from him, see what's out there, experience other people, you know, who knows, maybe in that time he'll grow up and get a better sense of finances and the world and how to live on his own. And in that time you'll be growing too and you'll reconnect. But Mm -hmm. like, I just hate seeing people feel like they have to accept less than because of their Mental health struggles.
0: Yes, huge. And not less than in general, but less than what they want. Then what they want. Absolutely. And, and I think, yeah, I think like somebody supporting your anxiety or somebody who's like healthy is like not a rarity. Like you can find other healthy people
2: or other healthy relationships. I know that if I made a ton of money, mm-hmm. please God, one day, you know, then like, and, <laughs> and I met somebody who was like, I would like to be a stay at home father. I'd be like, great, like yeah. that, that would work for me. But I'm yeah. not you. <laughs> do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? So like, that's the whole thing about figuring out what are your actual values? What do you actually need? But like, for me, I would be okay with someone who would be fine staying home with the kids. Mm-hmm. That, that's like a thing that would work for me, but it yeah. might not work for you. Like, again, it's just, it's doing a lot of like checking in with yourself mm-hmm. and being honest with yourself and then giving yourself enough credit to go
0: after what you want also he's not getting what he needs right because maybe there's some girl out there that loves being schlubby and going to disneyland mm-hmm. and he's and he's not getting that perfect person for him he's not getting someone who's compatible to him you know yeah. like it's not who's right or who's wrong about life it's just a matter of compatibility and that poor guy deserves to go to disneyland or to be with somebody who's not
2: constantly being like what are you doing with your life where yeah. is this going what decisions are you making you totally. know to like Somebody who who isn't maybe parenting him because they like Gabby said earlier, they don't care what he's doing mm-hmm, career wise. Mm-hmm. That's not important to them. But yeah, I, I really I, I again, like I know what it feels like when you have your first healthy relationship and you're like, oh, my God, I must hold on to this at all costs. But that's just not true. You, mm-hmm. You've changed. And that's why you're now able to have a healthy relationship. It's not that there was one person you could have a healthy relationship with.
0: That's it. That's the speech. <laughs> uh, hopefully that helped.
2: Let us know what happens. Um, we really <laughs> we really gave you some forceful advice. Again, no need to listen to us. <laughs> That's very true. This is a take it or leave it situation. <laughs> if you want to submit your international question, send it to justbetweenuspod
0: at gmail.com. That's justbetweenuspod at gmail.com. Stick around after the break. We'll be talking all about vaccines. back to just between us it's time for topics x x x x x x X, baby baby (laughs) you know who that is melissa is
2: joining us for this week's topics we're going to be talking about the vaccines
0: for covid 19. so okay so allison sent this article from penn today it's called Understanding and Addressing Barriers to COVID Vaccine Acceptance. Um, and it's kind of about the two parties who are having trouble with vaccines. One is Black and brown communities who have valid reasons. And two is white people, largely Republican men, according to this article, who just um, don't want to. So I think we should start by saying that we are very
2: pro-vaccine on yes. this show. I've gotten both shots. Gabby, I think, had your first
0: shot one. Okay, yeah. has
2: had one. Melissa's having hers next week. Mm-hmm. And our main message is that, like, get vaccinated. Mm-hmm. Um, it's so important. All of the information for the most part coming out is basically saying that these vaccines work amazing. They're even working with the different variants. Um, and that basically the only way to get rid of this thing is to get us to herd immunity which would require us to get to like a high percentage of America being vaccinated. It's looking like we won't get there because only like, what was it? Only maybe like 50% of Americans Mm -hmm. want to get vaccinated. And Mm -hmm. we need like 70 to 90% for herd immunity. And so we kind of wanted to talk about like what is holding people back. And so I think to talk to the community where it makes sense that there's reluctance is, you know, The history of how the medical establishment has treated black and brown people is abhorrent. Yes. Um, There has been, uh, they are often the guinea pigs of things. So I understand the reluctance to try something that is so new and doesn't have as much, you know, research as normally it does take for a vaccine to be on the market. For me, it's understandable, the reluctance coming from those communities.
1: Yeah. I mean, for me, it's understandable because of, you know, the past essentially, like you said, black and brown people being used as guinea pigs and having things taken away and researched and just horrible things done to the human body and i as you guys know that i i have a degree in biology and so that i was very on top of the science from the beginning of when covid started spreading and so like i was telling people they need to follow like statistics and stuff. And I know that that went over a lot of people's head, but I was trying to make it like as clear as possible to the people that I know, people that I love, like this is going to be bad. This is going to be huge. You need to follow CDC guidelines, the World Health Organization, look at before it was big here in America, look at statistics overseas and it will Mm -hmm. get here eventually. And so most people weren't listening. (laughs) They didn't listen to me. But eventually they start coming around. But then, you know, when the talks for the vaccine, I think it was paired with the history. And then who was the president at the time when Mm -hmm. vaccine was being talked about? There was a lot of people just not trusting what was happening.
0: Specifically, I just want to say in case people are wondering, um, you should look into the Tuskegee experiments Mm -hmm. and also like, forced sterilization and experiments that were done during slavery and in, in particular, mm-hmm. um, which involved white people experimenting on on specifically black people for what the Tuskegee ones were like to test syphilis. Mm-hmm. Who gives a shit about syphilis? Um, so <laughs> that's the motto of this, cha- of this <laughs> yeah. podcast. I want to say that the motto of this podcast is who gives a shit about <laughs> syphilis. But yeah, that is one sphere of where this is coming from and i Mm -hmm. think melissa did you have any reluctance at all or did you witness any reluctance in your family did
1: not well i mean people were reluctant in believing a a lot of things that were actually happening but i would break it down for them um Mm -hmm. not just with the vaccine but as far as the pandemic as a whole Mm -hmm. um and so i would break things down but then when like talks of the vaccine started they were like so are we getting this and i was like absolutely And I did have I also had just like random black and brown people contacting me and asking if I was getting the vaccine and what my thoughts were, because I think I was very vocal on social media talking about um, the vaccine and everything. And I was surprised by that. I assumed that people would be getting that they Mm -hmm. were just getting the vaccine and I was wrong.
0: There's also a general distrust of the government, too, Mm -hmm. like. Um, You know, you talked about who was president at the time and people not being sure of the vaccine. And I think, too, like largely, you know, marginalized groups do have a a at large distrust of of the government and anything that the government's doing, no matter who's president. Mm
2: -hmm. Um,
0: And that is also historically justified. Right. Yeah. And I I think a big part of the issue is
2: Trump kind of taking ownership over these vaccines, when in reality it was private companies and he had Mm -hmm. nothing to do with it.
1: Absolutely nothing. He's still taking Ownership of it now. Still.
2: But I think what you're talking about, Melissa, in terms of like people coming to you like in DMs and online, Mm -hmm. like I think that that's got to be this next phase is like figuring out how do we change the messaging to communities? Like, how do we get out there and explain it to different communities and like work on vaccine acceptance? Because, like, I don't think that just like having billboards that are like, get vaccinated is going to work. Like, Mm -hmm. people in, in the medical field need to like, go to different communities and have like, I mean, it's hard with COVID, but like town halls, zoom calls, like explain these things, answer questions, you know, like give, give those statistics,
0: give that, that, that background, like meet people where they are. Mm -hmm. Well, that's what I was going to say. There's a reluctance to do that because meeting people where they are truly takes steps that that, um, people don't want to take. They don't, a lot of these vaccine websites don't have information in Spanish. They don't have information Mm -hmm. in African languages. They don't have information in, uh, like Portuguese, like anything that would uh, appeal to immigrants would appeal to, um, people who are coming from black and brown families. Uh, they don't, um, they don't like address community leaders they don't go to community leaders there's there's also like the internet is a privilege in a lot of places where there's no wi-fi access there's no there's no you know a lot of uh, native american reservations don't have internet like so the idea that like these communities can be served by like the general outreach that is done for like other communities they're just not doing it like people Mm -hmm. are some people are doing it but like governmentally like there's it's just not available in enough languages it's not available in places where there's no wi-fi like a lot of people are like truly left behind
1: a lot of people are truly left behind but also um i think having people do like neighbors doing their part just to spread if you've been vaccinated just talking like for example my elderly neighbor that lives next door to me Mm -hmm. she was like i can't i asked her if she had gotten vaccinated yet um and this was a few weeks ago you know when people over a certain age were at the front of the line. So I had asked her and she's like, I can't get vaccinated because I have allergies. And I asked her, do you have allergies? Like as in like seasonal outdoor allergies or are you allergic to something? And so, because if you're allergic to certain things then you know you, there are certain precautions that you should take for getting the vaccine. And she just, she meant allergies in general and not being allergic to something. And because uh... she saw- that if you were allergic to certain things, which they asked you, she thought she couldn't get vaccinated. So then like, I think it just takes like explaining just people you come in contact with neighbors or whatever, just like saying a few words and asking them questions and just um, breaking it down in plain language for people to hear.
2: Right. But I also think that there's people who are on the fence about getting vaccinated. And then there are people who are like, And I think this falls more under the white Republicans who are like, no way in hell. And like to get to that herd immunity, I think we have to go go after those people who are not sure Mm who are maybe like like,
0: it'll come, you know, I'll get vaccinated if it's there. Yeah. Or like that they are maybe they just like don't have enough information
2: Mm -hmm. or they are like waiting to see maybe what their their friends, like Melissa said, do the people in their community do, you know, and like really doing the outreach to them. Um, and sort of like tipping them over into the side of, of getting vaccinated versus like going after these people who like are doing it purely for political reasons mm-hmm. yeah, and therefore are like going to be impossible to reach.
1: And a lot of those people that are doing it for political reasons, the people that they are following, quote unquote, mm-hmm. have already been vaccinated.
2: Oh, absolutely. It,
1: <laughs> that's like part of the problem is that. The people that should be talking about getting vaccinated that have been vaccinated that are in these like political positions aren't doing it for political reasons, Mm -hmm. which is so backwards and messed up.
2: The New York Times had an interesting article about like new risks, like Americans know that like cars getting into a car is inherently risky, Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, and like getting uh, uh, but like people are more afraid of things that are new. There's inherent risk
0: in every aspect Mm -hmm. of life. Yeah, cars are a great example. Cars were new when seatbelts first came out. (laughs) People fought that so hard. (laughs) They did. Have you seen the the ads, the anti seatbelt ads? They're Mm -hmm. incredible. (laughs) they're like my i have a i get to choose if i die in a car accident my freedom is being (laughs) it's the (laughs) same way people talk about masks yeah the the worst is like looking back at the the plague in like 18 in in the the 1918 spanish flu and also plagues in like the 1870s or whatever and people then were protesting i don't want to wear a mask Mm -hmm. i don't want to get vaccinated there was something about like not wanting to get vaccinated during like like the early 1900s been there, like, we don't know enough about it. I'm worried. And it's like, nothing has changed. People are the same. We never learn anything.
2: And I and I also think, you know, an aspect people aren't really thinking about is how important herd immunity is for all of the immunocompromised people who the vaccine isn't able to be effective for. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So if you have a certain level of, of your immune system being compromised, you're not able to Build the antibodies on your own. And that's yeah. why we really need to get to a place of herd immunity to protect these people who want the vaccine and who mm-hmm. should still, everyone should still get the vaccine, yeah. even if you are immunocompromised. But, you know, like this is, this is like a classic example of like stepping up as being a citizen mm-hmm. and like helping out your fellow Americans, fellow people.
1: But if they don't care, these people that are fighting against it, if they don't care about themselves, they definitely don't care about their neighbor.
0: They think that they are caring about themselves is the thing. They think that they are caring about themselves. They think they're protecting their kids. It's the people that that's got true. that spread measles all around Los Feliz because yeah. they were like didn't want their kids to get the measles vaccine because God forbid their child like whatever and you can get into. Obviously, vaccines don't cause autism, but the fact that you're even worried about that is fucked up. But like, just all these things like that—that's that's comes from these people. So like that's them, whatever. They think they're doing the right thing. Their brains are twisted. But like for these other people, I feel that the government and maybe these companies, Pfizer, Moderna, Johnson & Johnson, whatever, they're not marketing correctly. They're not going into the communities in the right way. Like, yes, it is their, the people in the community's job to go out and, and talk about getting the vaccine and how great it is or whatever. But also I want to highlight that the government like do, doesn't really target the right groups and doesn't really care if black and brown people die, TBH. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Like they don't care. Those communities have the highest COVID rates. Those communities are the people who are not getting vaccinated all around Los Angeles. Uh, friends of mine who work in activism, activism, Uh, Shout out to Knock LA. All of them, they do these things of like trying to get black and brown people to the front of the line, trying to get like these, these vaccines, like appointments to people in communities that are less served and who, who's getting them. It's just lines of white people. And like, that's on purpose. What do you think about the idea of, of paying people to get
2: vaccinated?
0: I love, I love uh, government. Pay me everything. Give me UBI. (laughs) Give me unemployment. <laughs> I mean, it's tough. It's tough. It's like when my parents would like, not my parents, I'm actually, like my parents did this. When parents give their kids like money for AIDS. Mm-hmm. It's an incentive. Yeah. But it's also like, I don't
1: know. I don't know yeah. if it would work. as As a base of it, like, I don't think that like ethically that's cool. <laughs> I think that people should be doing it because they should be doing it. Mm -hmm. But if that's what's going to get us to herd immunity Mm -hmm. to get some of these people out that won't get vaccinated, then do it because it's Mm -hmm. we're not going to we're going to be stuck in this pandemic for a while. I mean, it's even like I know some people that like didn't get the second shot that they Mm -hmm. were supposed to get. And Mm -hmm. then also there's supposed to be a booster coming around for the third shot. Like we have (gasps) to. Why did people
2: not get the second one? One girl
1: told me that she didn't like the way that she had heart palpitations with the first one. Oh, but I don't think that it had any. I yeah. Don't think it's, it's just yeah. nerves. Maybe. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, the other thing is, and my sources are TikTok and Reddit, and that's mm-hmm. all I've got. And on Reddit, there are people that are like, they posted about like the booster that could come next year. Mm-hmm. And there are people yeah, it's early on, September. Yeah. And Reddit oh, wow. is like a wide swath of political ideologies. Mm-hmm. And so this is in a community, in a subreddit just called news. So anybody can be in it. And people were like, oh, here it comes. Another vaccine. They're just going to bilk us for money and make us get vaccines every year. And it's just going to be, it, They everybody thinks it's a conspiracy or a scam. But we have to get like
1: boosters for like tetanus. What, is, mm-hmm. what the
0: fuck is a flu shot? <laughs> right. And they're like and they're, like, and they're free. It's been free yes. so far. It's free. What is the scam? Explain to me the
2: scam. I understand this idea of like it, the the vaccine is very new. We don't know, yes, like of course. The, but, but you also have to look at well, we know what the current reality is, and mm-hmm. the current reality is extremely dangerous and extremely risky, and millions of people are dying around the world because of this disease. And so far, all of the results on these vaccines, it's it's, the results are great. You know, like, yeah. I, I'm very curious to see what happens once we plateau, because we're going to we're yeah. about to plateau in terms of people getting vaccinated. And it's really going to come down to can the government change how they're marketing this thing mm-hmm. right. to make it so that people are more receptive to it? And they need to listen to advocates. They need to listen to the people who've been on the ground, the people who are in these communities and take their lead about how to how to market this better. But I
1: also think a lot of it too is that this is a local government, like your statewide mm, government. Right. And mm-hmm. for some of those statewides, you know, in the Southern states, they're not going to do that.
2: Yeah, mm-hmm. that's what's so tough. But then I, yeah. I'm hoping it'll be like nonprofits will come in and like yeah. different you know charities will take the lead and you know i think like you said it's really helpful to just say to to check in with your neighbors and be Mm -hmm. like have you gotten it do what are your hesitations let me give you this article let me provide this information like Mm -hmm. can i drive you can i drive you um yeah each Um, one
0: reach one yeah (laughs) (laughs) okay what do we rate this episode guys okay i will rate this episode (laughs) 17 out of
2: 15 vaccine acceptances. Amazing.
0: (laughs) I will rate it 25 out of 24. You're 24 years old and you don't need to be in a relationship that you're not sure about. And end of story. (laughs) I'm just gonna give it an A plus,
1: and then everyone should get stabbed in the arm. That's it. (laughs) Yeah.
2: Melissa is terrified of needles and she's still doing it.
1: I am so terrified and I'm doing it. I've been talking about it. I want everyone that can do it to do it. Allison's going to be my vaccine guide and it's going to be great.
2: We're going to get you through it. Mm-hmm. I'm going to tell you a lot of knock-knock jokes while it's happening <laughs> to distract you. Oh. <laughs> So please, if you haven't been vaccinated, please get vaccinated. If you're able to, please talk to people that you know and love about getting vaccinated. Um, and also tune in on Friday because we have an amazing episode um, all about autism and misconceptions and the reality of living with autism day to day with Amethyst Scaber. And it's a really wonderful episode we've already recorded that we think you will love. Just Between Us is a Forever Dog production hosted by me, Alison Raskin, and also Gabby Dunn. Produced by Melissa DeMonts. Executive produced by Brett Bohem, Joe Cilio, and Alex Ramsey. Brendan Burns composed our killer theme music to listen to this podcast ad free sign up for forever dog plus at foreverdogpodcast.com plus and check out video clips of our podcast on youtube at youtube.com forever dog team or youtube.com just between us show and make sure to follow us on twitter instagram and facebook at forever Dog team to keep up with all the latest forever dog news and follow me and gabby on instagram at, at allison Raskin or at emotional support lady or at gabby road and thank you so much for listening Please rate and review
0: FOREVER (coughs) DOG